All right, welcome everyone. I tell you, through the years, I have really come to believe in the power of prayer. And I heard a story sometime back, which I think illustrates one of the powerful ways that God moves when his people seek him. It happened in the small town of Swan Quarter, North Carolina. If that is a real town. You can Google it, look it up. It's a real place over near the coast of North Carolina. Well, you see, in that tiny town, there's a church called the Church of Providence. I want you to picture this little white clapboard church building, very, very small. It stands there today just as it looked when it was first established in 1874. Now, the initial members who launched the church were thinking of getting it started, and they had this plot of ground they wanted to put the church on. They kind of longingly eyed it. That's generally sort of a flat area, but they wanted the church to be up on a hill, kind of high, so it would be easy to see, and they felt it would kind of have a more of an inspirational quality about it. So they prayed fervently that God would give them that land, and they collected their money, and then they approached the owner of the property. And he said, there is no way you're going to have this land. I've got other purposes for it. You're going to have to build your church somewhere else. Well, they were disappointed, but they erected their church structure on another plot of ground nearby. But they were unable to purchase the land that they really, really wanted and the land that they had asked God for. Well, two years later, and the date has been recorded in the archives of the newspaper there in Swan Quarter. The day was September the 17th, 1876, when a massive storm went through that area. In fact, the newspaper article called it, quote, a roaring tide. It swept through with tremendous ferocity. Now, the locals still debate if it was an actual tornado or if it was just a very, very strong wind. But whatever, in the providence of God, their little tiny clapboard church building literally was scooped up and the wind began to carry it. The paper says it didn't go in a straight line, but it went with unerring mark and accuracy and it landed back down 100 yards right on the spot that the church had wanted in the first place. Imagine that. The congregation was elated, but the owner was silenced and he decided to just give it to them because he said, I really think God is in this, and I do too. And so, to this very day, the church of Providence stands there. God moved his church to the place he wanted it to be. Now, I love that story because to me, it's kind of a metaphor of how God wants to move through prayer. No, he may not literally move a church structure, but he wants to move me. God wants to move you. He wants to move us to higher ground, precisely where he wants us to be. 
I'll say it again. I'm a big believer in the power of prayer. But I got to make a confession to you all. Up until just a number of years ago, even though I'd been a Christian for a long, long time, my prayer life was rather boring. Boring. I don't think there's any other word for it. I mean, it was dull and predictable. I prayed the same old things about the same old things. It was humdrum, lackluster. I'll say the word again. It was just flat out boring. Nothing exciting at all. And even though God, the Holy Spirit in me was motivating me to want to pray, the method of prayer that I was using just almost ensured that my prayers were pretty dull. But one day, one day, I heard about this ancient practice of praying the scriptures. And so I tried it. And folks, I want to tell you, since the day I started opening my Bible and letting that become my prayer book, learning how to pray directly off the pages of Scripture, from that day, my prayer life has taken off to another level. And today, it's not only my favorite way to pray, but it's become the rock-solid foundation of my whole prayer life. So, what do we mean by praying the scriptures? That's what we're going to be talking about today and next Sunday. We simply take the words of God from the Bible, we reflect on them, and then we pray words back to God, maybe using our own words, and we turn that scripture into a prayer, and then we listen for how God may want to speak to us. So as you can see, it's a conversation here. God has already spoken to us in his word. I hope we're all on the same page there. God has spoken powerfully through his word. So as you read the word and you reflect on what God has said, and then you speak back to him in prayer, and then you listen, you listen for his impressions as he communicates back to you, that practice, as simple as it sounds, is a powerful formula for taking prayer to another level. And I'll assure you, if you're feeling a little stuck in your spiritual journey, it will catapult you to a whole different spiritual plane. What it meant for me is my prayer life went from dull to dangerous. It went from predictable to unchained and unplugged. I'm no longer just praying the same old things about the same old things. And if that describes your prayer life, I want to tell you, if you try this, things are about to change. I'm holding a little book here that I finished recently. It's called Praying the Bible. It's by a man named Don Whitney. And I want to read to you a little scenario that Don Whitney spins in this book. He says, suppose you won a contest in which the grand prize was the opportunity to spend an hour in conversation with any person of your choosing. Would that be cool or what? Anybody you choose, you can spend an hour in conversation for a full hour. You could ask any question and talk about whatever you wanted with any person in the world. 
whom would you choose? The president of the United States, a world leader, a famous singer, musician, or actor, an influential Christian, one of the world's best-known athletes, a preeminent scientist or scholar, a best-selling author, a possible romantic interest? Now, what if I said, great news, a one-hour conversation between you and that person has been arranged for tomorrow morning? Well, tonight you'd hardly be able to sleep. You'd be so excited. Then suppose that the conversation proved to be everything you imagined. And afterward, I said, hey, great news. Tomorrow, you get to have another hour-long conversation with that person. The only caveat is that both of you must say exactly the same things you said today. Hmm. Well... You might pick up a few things in that second conversation that didn't register with you the first time, but what if you had to have that same conversation every day for the rest of your life? It probably wouldn't be long before you'd rather die than endure that conversation again. And then Whitney concludes with this paragraph. It's a sad truth but we can feel the same way even about talking with God. You can be talking to the most interesting person in the universe about the most important things in your life and be bored to death. Is that because you don't love God? No. Is that because you don't love what you're praying about? No. It's because you have essentially the same conversation about those things every day. If you do that, even talking with God himself can be boring. And I think Don Whitney is absolutely right. That describes my prayer life, what it used to be, to a T. So how do you pray the scriptures? It's so simple. That's the brilliance of it. You just pick a passage of scripture in the Bible, any passage. It's like playing card. Pick a card, any card. Pick a passage, any passage. Now, some are better than others. The Psalms are particularly good. The Gospels make great prayer passages. The Epistles have some parts in them that are just fantastic for prayer. So some parts are better than others. But honestly, I'm convinced in doing this for a number of years now, you can literally take any part of the Bible and turn it into a prayer to God. And just say whatever comes to your mind. Don't be too worried if every theological T is crossed and every theological I is dotted at this point. You can pray about everything. Some of you have probably memorized Philippians 4, 6. It's such an awesome verse. The Apostle Paul writing to the... Christians in Philippi says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. What a wonderful verse that is, huh? That passage says that you can bring everything to God in prayer. Everything. I, I wonder, 
If we could just say that word together, please, at all of our locations, can we say the word everything, please? One, two, three. Everything. That's pretty good, but let's try it one more time. One, two, three. Everything. Yes. God says nothing is off limits. Isn't that amazing? You can talk to God about your faith your family, your finances, your future, your fears, your frustrations. You could just lay it all there out there. You could talk about your friendships. And God says, I want you to bring these things to me in prayer. Every nuance of your life, the big stuff, the little stuff, the medium stuff, bring it on, God says. I want you to talk to me. Let's have a conversation. Wow. What? an invitation. So why do we not take advantage of that? I think it's because many of you probably have experienced what I experienced. You're just bored out of your mind with prayer. And what I'm talking about today and next Sunday is going to change all of that. It's literally going to take prayer from being boring and dull to many of you to actually fun and exciting and powerful. But, but, we need to address one issue before I model this for you a little bit. Here's the big elephant in the room for some of you. Some of you, when you think about this idea, you're going, Pastor Rex, I'm afraid that if I pray the Bible, I'm gonna get something kind of wrong. Or I may not understand a passage because, Pastor, I'm not a Bible scholar. I really am not that familiar with the Bible. No problem at all. But I get your concern. So please hear me today. I want you to really get this part. Understanding the Bible accurately is very important. Is everybody hearing that? Especially if you're a preacher or teacher. So all of you out there who share biblical information with other people as a small group leader, as a kid venture teacher, as a mentor of others, as a Bible teacher of some kind, as someone who goes and proclaims God's truth, I want you to know it is very important that you seek to understand the Bible and communicate it clearly. I hope we're all on the same page there. Any verse or statement in the Bible means what God inspired it to mean, not just what I want it to mean. Amen? It means what God inspired it to mean, not just what I want it to mean, or not just what it means to me. Okay? So I hope you're understanding. At Grace Fellowship, we are committed to that. We take interpreting the Bible and trying to understand it. We take that very, very clearly. But that's not what I'm talking about right now. When you come to praying the Bible, your main goal here is not Bible intake, but prayer. And you may, you may occasionally pray for something that is not true to the text and not within, God, within God's will. But can I tell you a little secret? You're already doing that. You and I, you and I are already probably praying about a number of things that aren't really within God's will. I've prayed some of the stupidest prayers on record in my life, trust me. And I'm so glad that God loved me so much, he didn't give me exactly what I asked for. He gave me something better. 
And sometimes he loved me so much to say no to that particular prayer request. So we're probably praying lots of things, but here, here's, here's what I'll wager. If you take this challenge that we're talking about today and you start using the scriptures as your basis for your prayers, you're a whole lot more likely to be praying within God's will than if you're not using the scriptures directly as your guide. I hope that makes sense. So let me illustrate how this works. Let's say that you're praying through the Lord's Prayer, right? That's a part of the Bible. So you happen to pick that section in one of the Gospels, and you're praying through that, and you come to that part which says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And in your mind, that word deliver sparks something. And you think of your third cousin who's very pregnant and about to give birth any moment, any day now. And so you pray, oh God, would you help my cousin please to have a safe delivery, a healthy baby? Would you put your hand on that family today, Lord? I pray in Jesus' name. Now, when you pray that, you know that's not in line with the Lord's prayer. You know that's not what the Lord's prayer is about, right? Of course you know that. So you're not trying to do violence to the scripture or corrupt the scriptures when your mind goes off and you pray for your third cousin. No, you're not reading something into the text. You are simply using the words of the Bible, that text, to speak to God about whatever comes to your mind at that point. And by the way, this to me is why I love this kind of prayer so much. It's unchained. It's freewheeling. It's actually fun. My prayers have gone from being dull to fun. Imagine that. And yours can too. So I just open up my Bible literally every day and I just go for it. I start working through a text line by line. And wow, the Holy Spirit brings things to my mind. And I end up praying for things that I never would have thought to pray about otherwise. And I'm praying through that text, and I'm worshiping God, and I'm thanking God, and I'm going back. And when I finish with my prayer, I I listen for what God wants to say to me. And one of the most awesome outcomes about praying through the scriptures, it just keeps me from praying the same old things about the same old things. So, I'm being very personal today, very autobiographical, and I'm just sharing a practice that has made such a difference for me. Honestly, I would feel selfish if I kept it to myself. I've just got to tell you about it. I've got to share it with you. And my desire, not just for me, but for everyone who calls grace their home, I want our prayers to be birthed by and guided by and informed by and shaped by and controlled by the word of God. And let me tell you, if that happens, look out. God's going to take us to higher ground. It can't help but issue in deeper discipleship and a more passionate relationship with God. So on this Mother's Day, I'm going to model it for you. I'm literally going to pray 
through a passage of scripture, Proverbs 31, the wife of noble character. Now, some of you women hate this passage. I get it. I get it. You've read this passage and you've heard a few sermons on it and you always feel guilty. Chuck the guilt, all right? I get, I get it. You, you've, you've been compared to Susanna Wesley, you know, and you think nobody can measure up to that, right? Well, I'm going to pray through this passage just as I would pray it in my home, alone, in my office, on my knees, and I've not scripted anything for this, okay? So I want it to sound as close as possible to what I would pray when I'm all alone. Now, I know you're out there, but for a few minutes here, I'm just going to invite you to take a peek into my personal prayer life just to give you an example of how I might pray through a passage. Now, I've not scripted any of this. I did pray through it the first service, but that's as close to a rehearsal as I've had, okay? So I've been through it once. I intentionally did that so it would be raw and real and impromptu. So here we go. A wife of noble character who can find. Wow. God, I found one. Thank you. Back in, I think it was 1989, I first saw her in upstate New York of all places. Thank you for Debbie. And that of all the places I could have found this wife of noble character, you, you brought me here all the way from Tennessee in a circuitous way, and thank you. She is worth far more than rubies to me. What a value she brings to my life, Lord. I'm so grateful for her. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. Wow, do I ever. I trust her implicitly. I trust her in every aspect of our lives. I thank you that I have a wife that I can trust like that and have full confidence in, but my mind, God, my mind goes to all those men who don't have confidence, perhaps, in their wives. And maybe in some cases, there's good reason. God, would you work in those situations? That's got to be painful. I can't, I can't even wrap my brain around how painful that must be when trust has been broken. And Father, you've also brought to my mind that there's a lot of Guys out there who are searching, looking, their hearts are open for this wife of noble character. But so far, even though they believe it's your will that they be married, so far they've not found that person. I pray that you'd expedite that, God, whatever way you choose. I pray that you'd help them to just find that amazing soulmate that you've allowed me to find the perfect one for me. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Wow, is that ever true? Most of the good things in my life today are in full or in part because of Debbie. So grateful, so grateful. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She's like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. God, I thank you that Debbie cooks like a month at a time. I can't fathom that. And she freezes those meals in these freezer bags, and they're so delicious, and we can take them out one at a time, and just, it's so easy after a long, hard day just to get 
one of those out and just have it ready. It's amazing. Thank you for that. Uh, she gets up while it's still dark. That ain't happening. <laughs> because she's not a morning person, but wow. She works late into the night, and she just goes and goes, literally, last night, not getting to sleep, just because of all she had going until after three this morning. She, she provides food for her family, thank God, and portions for her servant girls. I'll bet she wishes she had some servant girls. But God, I promised her in our vows that I would be her servant. I'm pretty lame with that. Help me, oh God, to take that much more seriously, just as I promised. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her Trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. I'm not sure all this means, but it seems to me, God, you're describing a woman here who's pretty industrious. She's not just focused on what goes inside the house, but, but on stuff outside. She's just savvy, basically, very, very sharp. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. Wow, that seems to be Debbie. Thank you, God. Thank you for the young man, Barack, that we've been privileged to support in Kenya for a number of years now and how he's grown and we've watched him grow and watched your work in his life. Thank you for the letters we get from him and how we can respond back. Lord, that, that was Debbie's idea to begin with. Thank you that she has compassion for those who are underserved and needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of, all of them are clothed in scarlet. God, I don't know what that means. I, I, don't, I don't know what that means. I, I guess it means they're well clothed. She makes coverings for her bed. She's clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate. God, if, if I've got any respect through the years, it's largely because of how Deb has helped encourage me, grow me, keep me focused, keep me on the path. I'm so grateful for that. He takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments, garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She's clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. I thank you for the way she keeps our books. She watches our finances so carefully, so thoroughly. And because of her, we've been able to save consistently through the years and just practice living within our means and living with margin. And literally, because of your grace in that way, we can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom. Does she ever? She can pastor me and coach me better than anyone could. And God, I was so foolish in the early years of our marriage not to see that. Would you forgive me? 
for just dismissing so much of the wise counsel. So many of the big mistakes I've made was because I didn't listen more carefully to her wisdom. Faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household. I tease her about being the oikos despoteo, that Greek word Paul uses in 1 Timothy 5, house despot for wives. It's a good thing, not a bad one, that wives would literally watch over their house with care and be amazing managers in the home. Thank you that Deb is the quintessential example of that. Does not eat the bread of idleness. God, would you help her to be idle every now and then? I get a little frustrated. She goes and goes and goes, and I want to stop. I want to sit down and say, please stop working. It's time to rest. Help her to appreciate a little bit of idleness every now and then. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Would you help all of us, God, in this family to really tell Deb more frequently how much we appreciate her? Many women do noble things. What a statement. Many women do noble things. Man, is that statement pregnant or what? I think of Sarah and Miriam in the Old Testament, Naomi and Ruth. I think of Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Lydia in the New and I think of all the great women throughout history who've done noble things, Anne Hutchison. I think of Claire of Assisi. I think, oh Lord, of Mother Teresa. I think of Harriet Tubman, the great Christian leader and liberator. I think of Fanny Crosby, the poet and hymn writer. What a statement. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Yeah, that's it. To me, you surpass them all. Charms deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Thank you that although Deb's physical beauty continues, that the main trait in her life is that she fears the living God and loves him with all of her heart. And it shows. Give her the reward she's earned and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. God, I do pray that she would get some of her reward, not just in heaven, but at least a little bit of it here as an encouragement, just so she sees a sign of your favor in her life. I ask that she would be encouraged day by day as she sees a little bit of the fruit of reward for her diligence. God, thank you so much for this amazing woman of noble character in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, 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 that's my prayer. It's a real prayer. Now, I want to tell you a secret. I would have been a little more raw if you weren't here. <laughs> Hope you know that. But still, that's as close to just an authentic and prompt to prayer as I can do in a setting like this. And I did that so that you could see how it goes. You don't have to say something about every verse. I skipped some of them, didn't comment on everyone, didn't pray back. But here's the main takeaway I want you to get. Because of time, I didn't pause to listen. Did you notice that? One of the things we're going to learn in this praying the scriptures is that you pause 
to listen to what God is saying. That is a very important part of it. You need to listen because God wants to speak to you. That great theologian Lily Tomlin said, why is it that when we talk to God, we're said to be praying, but when God talks to us, we're schizophrenic? Why is that? Folks, hear me. God still speaks, and he wants to speak to you. He wants to impress you with ideas and thoughts and creativity and conviction. He wants to give you guidance in your life. So learn to listen. So as we close today, I just want to read you a quote from one of my favorite books of all time called Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. And I think it captures really the need of so many of us today. Foster says, superficiality is the curse of our age. The doctrine of instant satisfaction is a primary spiritual problem. The desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. Hey, 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 can I just tell you my passionate desire for every one of us in this church, that we would be deep disciples, not so people could look and go, boy, she's deep. I'll tell you that right now. Woo, look how deep she is. No, not so we can get praise, but so that God would get the glory, so that people would get a reflection of who the Lord is just by experiencing us, by looking at our lives, and that they would think more of Jesus because of their acquaintance with us. That's what I want. And I'm convinced that learning to pray the scriptures in a robust way will be one of the things God uses to get us there. So here's your homework. You ready for your homework? Your homework. We're going to hit this again next week. Pick a passage of scripture, at least one, and pray through it. I wish some of you would do this every single day this week. And if you do, if you do, you will come back next Sunday stoked and ready to go again as we go a little deeper into what it means to pray the scriptures. Father, thank you for the ways you're building your people. Oh, this is so exciting to see us grow through the years. And Lord, I know you're not finished with us yet, and I'm so grateful for that because I got a lot of growing I need to do. And Lord, I believe my brothers and sisters are probably in that same boat with me. We've got a lot of growing we need to do. So would you would you be so pleased, Father, as to use this ancient practice, even Jesus' practice praying the scriptures, would you use this ancient practice to take us to another level? God, that's my desire. Would you take us from being dull and predictable and praying the same old things about the same old things to actually a prayer life that is exuberant and fun and exhilarating and exciting, but it's all built on your word. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.